episode of fresh cuts this is mike and joining me as always it's mr venom what's up venom how are you greetings and salutations mickey keating fans i know there's not a whole lot of us out there but i count myself in those numbers so if you're able to join us today i am very glad how the hell are you mike i'm doing pretty well i'm doing well it was a busy monday at work lots of number crunching and pushing things out the queue but uh I can officially say it's the off season from work until tomorrow morning. So, <laughs> uh, all right. And then Johnny, as always, as always, as well, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? Yeah. What's going on guys? Uh, glad to be here. And, uh, hopefully I managed to, uh, make it just in time before we closed. So, <laughs> oh man. Well, if our witty puns did not throw you off, actually, you know what? I should probably open by saying uh, the last episode, I think I closed or we closed yeah. saying we were going to do X. And that's partially my fault because I think partially. sometimes the way we record movies where it's like it came out the previous Friday and we record at the beginning of the following week. For some reason, I thought we I knew it came out on the 18th, but for some reason, I thought I'll we just cut to the chase, the Mike. Say you got the say you fucked the dates up there. I saved you. Damn so. Nope. I didn't yes. explain it all. I just you, thought we were. I just thought we were further into the nobody, month. Nobody wants to hear that. Just say you fucked the dates up there. I saved you from having to. Yeah, but that's no, because that's around. inaccurate. I didn't fuck the dates up. I just yeah, thought we were did. further into the month. That nope. screwed the dates up. That's exactly no, what he said. He screwed up the date of the actual um, of the current day, not yeah, the I, date, not the release day of the movie. So. I screwed up the actual yeah the date, date that we were on. <laughs> Um, anyways, so, yeah, so the next episode will be X, which we'll probably remind you at the end of this episode, but we had to find something on VOD, and that's not, I always 
I always frame it like, oh, i got to find some longevity, but that's not always a bad thing. So uh, let's see. We we had plenty to choose from, and we just decided on the off-season, or just off-season, actually. And I pretty much have heard, or had heard, absolutely nothing going into this one. Um, so maybe that added to the appeal, because it's like, let's let's uh, ch- check out something that looks interesting. And uh, IMDb listed as a drama fantasy horror. And the synopsis is, after receiving a mysterious letter, a woman travels to a desolate ice- island town and soon becomes trapped in a nightmare. So I guess uh, we'll find out if the viewers were trapped in that nightmare as well or not. So Venom, <laughs> let's get to general thoughts. What did you think of off season? This uh, this movie kind of seems to be following uh, a trend that I've been noticing lately over the last year, year and a half, where we're getting a lot of really well-made movies, you know, movies with good performances, good, you know, good acting, good cinematography, you know, but basically the technical aspects are all there, but maybe the horror elements aren't always where, uh, where I think a lot of horror fans would need them to be, and Ultimately, off-season kind of falls into that category once again. Um, really, you know, incredibly well-made film. I mean, they use a beautiful locale. They're, they're, the whole movie is shot on an island. Um, the, the island is gorgeous, so it's really easy to get good cinematography throughout. Um, we've got a decent score, maybe not as good as last week's um, Hellbender, but still a pretty good score. And... A decent little story. It's not really anything we haven't seen before. Um, during the spoiler section, I could probably name off a couple of movies that this that this basic general storyline kind of follows. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed the film. I, you know, again, I enjoyed the characters. I, I, I don't think I'm as high on this one as uh, Hellbender from last week. Um, even though once again, we kind of get another mother daughter movie, but not the same, you know, they're not like hanging out together in the movie. Like last week, it's more the daughter's actions are kind of dictated by, you know, the requests that her mother has made or actions that she's performed, you know, towards the end of her life, things like that. So, um, you know, Mike already gave us the basic description, you know, a woman is kind of, mildly forced to go back to her hometown, which her mother always never wanted to go back to. Um, She has to deal with a vandalism, a a vandalism attack on her mother's grave. Uh, Of course, she goes back to the town and starts learning more and more about her mother and the relationship that the town has with her mother. And the the story kind of takes off from there. So, um, so, you know, like I said, not the most original thing out there. Um, Definitely not an action-packed film. You're not going to get a lot of viscera. You're not going to get a lot of, uh, you know, intense set pieces. You know, it's a, it's a very subdued movie, very very much performance-based and story-based as opposed to, you know, action-based and, um, you know, viscera. The movie's broken up into six chapters, which at times go by really quick. Like, there's one chapter in this movie that's literally like two minutes long, like two or three minutes long, which... Like, what's the point of even having a chapter? But there it is. And then for me, the high point of this movie, and I think this is going to be the high point for a lot of people, is Richard Brake. Richard Brake as the bridge man. 
Um, that's the only name his character gets in this movie. We don't find out what his actual name is, but um, he has two rather large scenes, one one towards the beginning of the film and then one towards the end. But uh, his performance, I mean, it's Richard Brake. And, you know, we, we talked about Richard Brake not too long ago in Gigi Saul Guerrero's Bingo Hell, where he was kind of the high point of that movie as well. And now here we are again, where Richard Brake puts in a performance that this movie almost doesn't deserve. I mean, he's chewing the scenery. He's being Richard Brake, you know. Um, and for anybody who knows him, you know what to expect from a, from one of his performances. And it's exactly what you're getting here. So um ultimately i'm gonna say this is a good movie not great um it's not gonna get necessarily a high recommend from me though it will get a recommend for fans of psychological thrillers if you're into the psychological aspects of horror then i would recommend this one there's a lot of cool subtext throughout and even the uh finale of the movie can be interpreted in multiple different ways which is kind of cool too so Overall, a really good movie, a movie that I really enjoyed. I don't know that it's something that I'll return to. Um, I can't imagine it's going to sniff my top 10 by any stretch, but just just a solid movie. Uh, but just curb your expectations a little bit. You know, you're not getting a lot of blood. You're not getting a lot of, you know, monsters per se. It's very psychological, you know, uh, very mental, cerebral, if you will. So just being, uh, you know, be prepared for that kind of film going into it. But I think if you enjoy those types of films, which I do, I think you'll have a pretty good time with off season. Okay. Uh, Don, what did you think of off season? So I'm thinking I needed to check out a day early. Um, I didn't really care for this one at all. Uh, I had very, very, very little interest in this as it went along. Um, a lot of what Venom was saying about it not being much of a horror film is kind of uh, the main reason why. Uh, the first two-thirds of this, I was actually contemplating, you know, should we change it? Should we switch it out for another film or whatever? Just because, yeah, there's not a lot that's going on, but what little is going on, uh, like Venom said, is eerily reminiscent of like three or four other films and a lot of what was going on just i really didn't care just because everything was so vague for no reason like there's no threat imposed on anybody there's no you know menace or you know like mm -hmm. macabre threat or anything that's happening it's just weird people not giving answers and this chick running around in a bunch of fog intruded towns like that's basically all you get for the first two-thirds the the last third it kind of picks up a little and I I did enjoy that aspect of it it's the only thing I actually liked um, I'm not really a fan of Richard Brake he's one note kind of an actor for me so I I don't really care about him he's not a selling point he's kind of you know in that Tony Todd Kane Hodder kind of a role where he only shows up one day to get his name on the credits and then that's all you really see of him so I'm not really I don't I don't give really give a shit about who he is um so yeah he wasn't really a highlight he was just more of a Okay, yeah, I know who you are. You're there. But, um, yeah, that didn't really phase me that much. But, yeah, uh, the lack of explanations of what's going on kind of hurt me. Uh, the lack of action really kind of drew me out of it. And, uh, yeah, it looks good, and I don't have any complaints about it technically. But, um, yeah, not a lot of story here. Basically nothing that's worth uh, being this long, this 
sorry, uh, this really should have been an anthology entry because I would have had a lot more fun with this if this was like a 30, 40 minute, you know, just mm-hmm. get to the point and, you know, get to this town, have a bunch of weird encounters with a bunch of weird locals, and then things go from there. Um, that to me would have been a lot more enjoyable than sitting through this. At, I think it's barely 80 minutes. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I think with the at the end of the credits, I think it's like an hour and twenty two, twenty three. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, at 30, 35, 40 minutes, I would have been a lot more into this one. And at an hour and twenty, no thanks. Um, I say not worth it. Okay. Um, as far as I go, so I thought this movie was a little bit above average. I. I I, I kind of dug it, but I also feel like it has some pitfalls that sometimes you get with, you know, more indie productions. I, I thought, like, we got to a certain point where the scares just kind of started repeating each other. It, it kept doing, like, the same kind of trick over and over. Um, you get that. I, I, I thought the story... I thought the story was a little all over the place. Like, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it was hard to follow, but it was just kind of like, okay, what exactly are they going for? Then you start getting, like, the metaphors. And then the end, I feel like they they wanted to swing for the fences there, but it kind of came <laughs> off like, eh, I don't... Maybe you should have, like, uh, taken that down a notch for the, the caliber of film. We just got the, what, 75 minutes? Um I thought the the performances though were fine. There there were some moments that I really dug. I you know it kind of felt like a mix of like like a like a Silent Hill movie without like the iconic yes. pictures from Silent Hill almost. I actually have that in my I, notes. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. it's to me. I I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but it's Silent Hill meets Messiah of Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I can see Evil, Evil too. Yeah, I think that I think that even has like the same general setup about a woman returning to the town and yep. uh, strange neighbors and stuff like that. So yeah, to me this is uh, Messiah of Evil meets Silent Hill. Yep. Very yep. very on board with that description. I can see that as well. Um, as far as Richard Brake goes, yeah, I mean I kind of agree with Don. Like I I don't mind Richard Brake so much, but. It's the same Richard Brake you're getting in every movie. Like <laughs> I, he's kind of he's kind of settling into that Bill Mosley role of like, yeah. well, we know what you're famous for, so we could use you. There you go. <laughs> I fully admit that Richard Brake is one note. It's just I love that one note. Uh, so that you know, so I'm a little bit more forgiving of him. I, I I'm the kind of person that I'm entertained by him. I'm entertained yeah. by his you know his just uh, his foul language. You know he he's very solidly a Rob Zombie alum. It's funny that you mentioned Bill Mosley because he's basically turning into Bill Mosley now. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I understand I, why people don't like him, and that's fine. Well, no, I, like I, I tend to agree. Like I don't, I don't necessarily mind him in the movie. It's just that, like, as soon as you, as soon as that familiar voice hits, you're like, okay, and then like a couple lines into his dialogue, you're like. Okay, yeah, I know, I I know what we're getting here. It's not necessarily a problem. It's just that you know, like what this. Even I guess even when he appears to try to not be totally like deranged, it's like, well, you know, it's coming because it's Richard Brake. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, he's one note, and I'm okay with it because I really like that note. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. May. Yeah. And then I, I do like you know the whole creepy town type stuff. Uh, I thought the 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 look of the town, the, like the creepy fa- creepiness factor, was pretty good. I I actually did 
like the score somewhat, and maybe it's just because I had the surround sound kind of loud for this one, but when they did use it to its effect, I, I did like it, so um, I guess that counts for something, but yeah, overall, it's like a, it's an average film. It sounds like I liked it a little more than Dawn, but overall, yeah, I would agree. It's kind of like a middle of the road. Yeah, type yeah, it's definitely nothing is nothing about the film is really exceptional. Um, everything is solid for the most part. Um, the story obviously is going to be its biggest anchor. Um, you know, it's a matter of how you buy into this story. You know, do you care about this woman? Do you care about what she's going through? Um, I found myself caring, though I will say I found myself caring less and less as the movie went along. Um, and then the ending, yeah, the ending, I, I'm kind of the same with Mike. The ending didn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, the, I, the, it's one of those things where I feel like the movie just deserved a better ending because I was on board for the first two acts. And the third act was still good. It's just, I don't know. Once we hit the third act, that's where it starts to really look similar to other films um, that I can't really name right now because it would give away uh, big parts of the story. But yeah. I, I, I definitely see everybody's issue with the movie, but for whatever reason, it resonated with me pretty well. Like I said, I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, I, I can go with that. I liked it. Didn't love it. I, I felt like there was a, it, and it's also one of those things where if you're watching it and by the end of it, you're like, I, I, it feels like there was a better movie to be had there. And it just kind of <laughs> didn't quite reach, reach it, you know? At yeah, times, kind of like, like what I was saying. It's go ahead. Well, I'm saying it's. I'm saying it to me. It's more like an anthology entry than a feature-length film. Like there, what we get here, there's very, very little to sustain 80 minutes. Like it. That's why it just it feels so repetitive. Mm-hmm. Is because that's all it has going for it. Like if there was yeah. a separate storyline, or if you know there's actually something happening that would have justified it, I think that would have probably bumped it up a little bit more. I mean, I. I don't know whether that's, you know, just by design, if that was the kind of film we wanted or if that was just budget limitations. But, yeah, I, I just needed something more to go on here. I mean, this mystery about why none of the locals are going to talk to her, uh, that, to me, doesn't really justify 80 minutes of running time. Mm-hmm. Valid. Yep, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, there's just not a whole lot to say about this film. It's... um. It's just a nice little movie, you know. There's, like I said, nothing really exceptional about it. Nothing, nothing to really praise, you know, as over the top or anything like that. You know, it, 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 everything it does, it does either fairly well or, you know, maybe a little bit of been there, done that. But, you know, it's definitely yeah, not a movie that's going to make a gigantic splash in the community by any stretch. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I think that they're definitely going for like a mystery with reveals and stuff. But the problem is, it's like they start they start off with everything being so weird. And like, I guess they try to make it creepy from the get go. That's like there's nothing to reveal. It's like, OK, yeah, you, the will something got changed. And uh, there's I guess some people are are trying to cover it up or she's trying to remember what's going on. And. By the time we get to that, it's just like, yeah, we kind of already saw all this coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, a few tropes in here. You know, you got shitty townspeople not being any help to, uh, you know, uh, city folk who come into town. You know, I've, I've talked about that multiple times over the years. Um, 
I hate how in every goddamn horror movie, when somebody sees something in the road, they drive into a goddamn tree. How fast are you driving down a country road that you can't avoid a tree because something was in the road? If you're doing like 80, okay, that's fine. But these people were doing like 30 on a country road. They see something in the road and then right off into a tree. It's like, oh, okay, I could have predicted that. So, yeah, like, you got to jerk the steering wheel, like, so bad. Like, you know, there's no – and especially when there's, like, no cars coming in the other direction. It's like you have a lot of road to, like, maneuver exactly. around, especially if it's something just standing still, you know? Yep, exactly. It's not like it's, not like, it's like a deer cross where you have to kind of, like, continually swerve to move out of its way. If it's just some someone or something standing there, one, you, from how far away you're seeing it, just – hitting the brakes will probably take care of it but they do a slight slight turn the steering wheel and you'll be fine for my money it's like why am i slamming into a tree i mean if they're dumb enough to be in the goddamn road they're they're gonna get clipped a little bit yeah i'm gonna do as much as i can to avoid them but i'm not gonna sacrifice my my life and my wife's life to save a stranger who's dumb enough to stand in the middle of the road so yeah, that I mean, maybe I'm selfish. I don't know. I, I've been called that before. So, yeah, it's just one of those weird things where I'm not going to sacrifice, you know, my $20,000 plus vehicle plus the lives of anyone in my car to save an, a dipshit who's standing in the middle of the road. That, that, that I just don't see the value in that. But, again, it's a horror movie. We're going on the journey that Mickey Keating wants us to go down. I did mention him earlier in my greeting, and I, I, I haven't even really brought him up. I am a Mickey Keating fan, for those who don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of Carnage Park, and I actually love Psychopaths. Uh, that was a very divisive film of his. That was his last film, actually, back in 2017. Um, that was also very – I mean, I don't know that this movie is going to be divisive. I, I can't imagine a lot of people are going to be coming to this movie's defense and calling it one of the best of the year or anything like that, but – I remember with Psychopaths, that was a very divisive movie because of its kind of weird presentation and how it kind of felt like an anthology, but really wasn't. It's an odd movie, but at least that one was pretty violent. There was some good kill scenes in there. I do. I, I think I remember one very, very visceral kill scene in that one in, in a woman's basement. So, yeah, I usually like Mickey Keating. This one is a little subdued. This feels like Mickey Keating trying to make a Hollywood movie. Because his movies don't usually come off feeling like a Hollywood movie. And this one kind of does. You know, this one, like I said, since they're going more for character development and story than action and blood, it feels like this is, uh, you know, Mr. Keating's attempt at a more highbrow film. And unfortunately, I, I, you know, he succeeded in making a slightly more highbrow film, but it doesn't have any of the trappings of Mickey Keating. It doesn't have any of the things that I like about his movies. There's some wacky characters, which is kind of kind of a commonality with, with some of his movies. So we do get a couple in here, especially in the bar. There's like an old man who dances and for no real reason, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's still a little bit of a disappointment, you know, for a Mickey Keating film, not nearly as crazy over the top insane as I would expect. And, you know, ends up becoming a little underwhelming because of it. So, you know, who knows? Too bad. Uh, I still, I still think highly of Mickey Keating. You know, this movie isn't going to really bring down my opinion of him as a director, but if he has too many of these in a row, then yeah, (laughs) that could affect his standing with me at least. So. 
I don't know. Hey, what do you, uh, you got anything else, guys? I've never even heard of him. What else has he done? Um, uh, Carnage Darling. Park, Psychopaths, um, Pod. Darling. Uh, Darling, yeah, he did Darling, which not and it, not a great film. Oh, that not that the woman prequel? The, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was I was supposed to have watched that, and I never got around to seeing it. So yeah, well, you didn't miss too much. It's a decent movie. It's not nearly the movie that the woman is by any stretch. I love the uh, woman. Uh, I know. I didn't even think, yeah, I didn't even think much of that one either. So yeah, that's the thing. That movie is also very divisive. It's not the easiest movie to watch, but I I I really like that movie. I'm a vindictive asshole, so any kind of revenge story, I'm always down for. So yeah, but yeah, like I said, this one, unfortunately, you know. Mickey tried to do something a little bit different and, you know, varying degrees of success. But overall, this doesn't really feel like a Mickey Keating uh, film. So who knows? Maybe he'll bounce back with the next one or maybe the old Mickey Keating is gone forever. We'll have to see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and also another fucking trope that I hate. Again, the shitty spouse. This movie has the shitty spouse that I can't fucking stand where when his wife tells him a story that has supernatural elements to it, instantly he's like, are you crazy? What the fuck are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, uh, ah, God. Is he a spouse? I thought he was the boyfriend. Because it Uh, makes it uh, seem like they haven't been to... It seems like they're not married. It seems more like she's... Like, they're... They're they're dating for sure, but I never got married couple off of them. Uh, it sounds I'm more... pretty sure that there's a throwaway line in here about them at the very least living together. Because they, yeah, they, there's a line I... here about them living together for a while. Uh, yes, I I understand. He she never called him her husband, but she also never called him her boyfriend. And considering this guy traveled with her, um, however long it was away from her hometown. Uh, it could be a boyfriend, but I'm going to say husband because they're older. Mm-hmm. Uh, these aren't Maybe, exactly yeah. 20 year olds in the movie. These are, these people True, are 30s, yeah. 40s, easy. So, um, I mean, regardless, spouse, let's just go with spouse. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be husband, boyfriend, whatever, significant other. But the point is, is yeah, that trope again, that's, you know, just one of the many tropes that bothers me, you know, the, the unsympathetic um, spouse that doesn't believe their partner. And yeah, here it just, you know, more of that shit. So, yeah. Like I said, uh, the movie is imperfect. It definitely is. Um, there are elements to it that you can enjoy, but it's it's going to be a very acquired taste for this movie. It's going to be a very niche audience that, you know, that would love this film. I think most people will be able to recognize that it's well made at least, but I, I got a funny feeling a lot of horror fans probably won't even finish this movie. They'll probably get like a half hour in and just decide, nah, this is all psychological. Uh, this isn't for me, so... You know, it's it's a matter of the individual for this one um, as far as their tastes and what they enjoy. Like I said, if you like psychological thrillers, I can recommend this movie to you. It's slower paced. It may not have the big payoff that, you know, a lot of people look for at the end of um, slow burn films. But there is a lot of positives to it. So it's still worth checking out if you're inclined to enjoy those types of films. All right. Well. What do you say, guys? Go into the uh, go into spoilers now. Let's do it. Uh, I've got All nothing right. else until then. <laughs> uh, not not real. No real need for a walkthrough in this one. We've already kind of explained the basic premise of the story, which easily covers the first twenty minutes or so of the film. 
a woman receives a letter from a town that her mother was raised in, um, basically saying that her grave was vandalized and that she needs to come out to the town. See, instantly right there, she should have known there's something wrong because you can take care of that over the phone. There's no way that a mortuary or a caretaker or, you know, grave digger, whatever, you know, whoever's running the cemetery, there's no way they're going to make a family member come in from out of town to deal with uh, a vandalism thing. They could handle that over the phone, but whatever. Again, it's a movie. Uh, she ends up going into, into this town with her man, George. Let's just say her man. Uh, they, Like I said, they are older. They're definitely not in their 20s. They're at least in their 30s. Um, George drives a Mercedes, so, you know, that, that that's kind of why I went for husband and wife, but obviously, you know, there's no confirmation of that in the film. And then uh, basically just, you know, once our main lead gets, uh, why is it that I remember George's name and not the woman? Marie. Marie. Man, no one must say her name in this movie because I don't remember anyone saying Marie once, but okay. Whereas George, she's constantly calling out for her husband throughout the movie that I remembered his name. So, And then, like I said, it's just really just a bunch of set pieces here and there. She gets to the town. She meets a creepy old lady who um, uh, Miss Emily, I believe her name was, who owns the flower shop in downtown. And uh, she's she's helpful at first, but, you know, becomes more cryptic as the conversation goes along. Um, basically lets the daughter know, oh, I kind of, you know, take care of the grounds uh, when the caretaker's not around. Um, she uh, she never does find the caretaker. She drives into town, never does find the caretaker. She goes to a, a bar. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just this bar scene. It has nothing to do with horror whatsoever. It's just that you get some quirky characters you get one of the townsfolks, of course, who wants to be helpful to this woman. We don't know why. We do eventually find out later who this guy was and why he was being so helpful. But when we first meet him, he's just a local drunk. We have no idea who he is, but he seems to be the only one willing to help this woman and, you know, try to help her find whatever it is she's looking for. Um, we get some flashback scenes with mom where, you know, she's with her mother and the mom basically explains to her, um, don't ever take me back to that town dead or alive. I never, ever want to go back to that town. This is, this is months before her death where she's saying this. And then right before her death, she ends up making a change to her will, basically saying that she does want to be buried in this town. And when the daughter calls her on it, uh, she just kind of changes the subject, avoids the subject, just kind of skirts around it. And they never, you know, the daughter never gets a legitimate reason why mom suddenly wants to go back to this town and be buried there. At one point in the film, we do get a little bit of a backstory about the town. Um, the town, as we've already said, is an island with one bridge connecting it to the mainland. That bridge is closed nine months of the year. Basically, the island is only open during the summer. And then at the end of the summer, they basically uh, draw the bridge. They, they, they have a drawbridge that leads into the, into the island. They raise the drawbridge and leave it raised for eight, nine months, like, you know, the whole time that it's not summer. Because then they talk about, oh, you know, we'll be open again in the spring. Like, they actually use the terms open and closed. Like, you can open and close an island, but whatever. 
Um, more about the backstory is that the island has, you know, because of where it's located in the ocean, there's a lot of storms in the area um, during those months that the island is closed. So they basically just decide, you know, it's not worth opening it uh, for tourists because of all the storms and the damage that the island goes through and everything else. So um, basically the original settlers of this island, uh, because of all the storms, uh, basically made a deal with a demon. Um, they, uh, we don't get an actual name of the demon. They just call him the man from the ocean or the ocean man. And basically towards the end of the movie, we actually do get an image of this ocean man where um, Marie is having a little bit of a flashback slash hallucination. And she sees her mother kind of at the edge of the water at the beach and in the background, we see this gigantic shadow of a humanoid, you know, creature. We don't see a face or a head, but we see, you know, the torso, arms, legs, just kind of standing back there. And, and anyone uh, familiar with mm H.P. -hmm. Lovecraft is going to have one implication and one implication only. Yeah, yeah, this movie is very, very Lovecraftian, um, especially the second half of the film. Um, you know, Lovecraftian in the sense of the cosmic mystery of the whole thing. You know, it's not like there's tentacles in the movie or crazy creatures, though there is one odd kill that we'll get to later in the movie that kind of is your first clue that there's something Lovecraftian going on here. Um, so basically, we kind of see the mom kind of get dragged into the ocean at the end of this little flashback hallucination, whatever it is that Marie is having. And when she turns around, we see the entire town, uh, the entire population of the island standing behind her, motionless, and they all have white eyes. Their eyes are whited out. Um, and then, you know, the, the creature in the background there out in the ocean that, you know, hasn't moved towards the land is just kind of, we see him moving, but he's just kind of standing there. He's not like walking towards the island or anything. Um, I think he does eventually say something, but I didn't write down what he said. It was something cryptic. But yeah, basically this island makes a deal with this person to for them to be able to live safely on this island. Um, hence closing up the drawbridge for nine months out of the year. Um, they are, Because of this deal, apparently they are safe. Or so we think. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um Basically, we get um, another scene with that uh, the helpful local guy. I, uh, I forget what his name was. I think they just called him the fisherman was the character's name. Uh, basically, he does show up again a little bit later in the film, and he tries to help Marie um, try to figure out what exactly is going on, where her mother, you know, why her mother's grave was vandalized, things like that. Unfortunately, uh, they end up getting separated in the woods, and when she finally finds him again, he is being eaten by something. Like, we, we basically see almost like vines, almost like plant vines going through all of this guy's orifices. Like, they're coming out of his mouth, his eyes, going into his ears, you know, blah, blah, blah. Very, very Lovecraftian in the sense that you can't really tell what's going on. You can't tell what the creature is. You can't even really tell what's, you know, killing him, how he's dying. It, it just looks really creepy and gnarly. Um, I mean, it's really one of the only, on, if not the only on-screen kill in the movie. So take it while you can get it. 
Um, and then, of course, like I said, the man in the ocean, also very Lovecraftian, cosmic, you know, very mysterious, an unknown evil that is either helping or hurting this island, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we have a few more set pieces here and there. I can't remember every single one of them. Uh, eventually, she does. Um, she ends up getting separated from George um, after they get into an accident. The accident that I mentioned earlier, they're driving down the road. Uh, basically, at this point, they've made the decision to leave the town. Um, but of course, uh, they end up getting trapped on the road, like they get to a dead end and then they turn around and the road is another dead end, even though that's where they just came from, from kind of the downtown area of this island. So obviously something very creepy going on. Then we get the accident, you know, somebody's in the road, they swerve to avoid the person, they hit a tree. Uh, at this point, Marie wakes up from the accident and George is gone. He's nowhere to be found. Um, and she just basically starts the next probably good 20 to 30 minutes of the movie by herself, where she's just traversing the town, trying, still trying to find the caretaker, trying to find some answers about what exactly is going on. This is when the situation with the fisherman occurs, where she ends up wit witnessing the fisherman's death. At one point, she goes back to the bar uh, that we talked about earlier with all the quirky characters, but uh, everyone inside the bar is paused, literally paused, like everybody's frozen. It literally looks like someone hit pause on the movie, but she's walking by the front of the place and no one is moving. Everybody's just kind of standing there. So, I mean, this is what I mean about all the psychological elements, just a lot of stuff like that. Um like I said, she she uh, witnesses the fisherman die. And then after, um, you know, getting away from that situation, she's finally reunited with George back at the drawbridge. We see that the drawbridge has already been raised, um, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, means that they are trapped there. Um, but George obviously is not George. He's speaking in a way that he hasn't been speaking throughout the film, you know, very cryptic, very um, almost violent at times. And then eventually his voice starts doubling, you know, very demonic, the, the classic demonic sounding voice. At this point, uh, Marie has already armed herself. She found a gun and she loaded it and grabbed bullets, much to her credit. I'll give her credit for that. Um, and then when George um, makes a kind of makes an advance towards her, like starts walking towards her like he's going to attack her, she ends up shooting him uh, just once. Uh, one quick bullet in the head. George goes down. He is now dead. I don't believe uh, we may see him again later in the film, but I, I can't really guarantee it. Um, and then she goes into the drawbridge, like the control room of the drawbridge. She actually finds a fucking training video. I like this, though. I, as silly as this as it sounds, I kind of enjoy it because it wouldn't make sense that a woman knows how to use a drawbridge, you know, for just out of the blue. So the fact that she looks around, finds an old black and white training video and actually fast forwards to what to the part of the video that she needs and actually watches uh, the bridge operator in the video, you know, and, and she follows him exactly, does, you know, pushes the exact same buttons, hits the same switches, and then she is eventually able uh, to bring down the drawbridge. And she, of course, is happy at this point. Um, at this point, the movie kind of felt like a shining to me, like um, just in vibe only. 
um, just her elation to when she finally drops that drawbridge and starts running across the bridge. And the way that the music was playing in the background, it just felt very much like The Shining, like Wendy getting out of the hotel and seeing Scatman Crothers' Snowcat there waiting for her. That same kind of excitement, that very quiet, subdued excitement that, yes, I, I'm going to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to survive. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I, I, it was weird. I, I even wrote it in my notes. The way, Just the, the way that the scene was set, even the shot itself, the, the shot of the drawbridge lowering after she hits all the buttons and she's just standing there. I'm like, my God, that just feels like something Kubrick would have shot. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not the whole movie, of course, but <laughs> at least that one mm -hmm. little scene. Um, she ends up running across the bridge thinking that she has escaped, but of course she forgot about the bridge man. She forgot about Richard Brake, uh, the guy who's been greeting everyone at the bridge. Uh, like I said, they had a scene earlier in the film when they first arrived uh, where he kind of explains the whole situation with the drawbridge and how once it goes up, it's up for the season. Like you can't get back in to the island until spring. Um, they have uh, basically a little bit of an altercation uh, where he's holding a shotgun and she's he's forcing her to turn back around. He starts talking about how this town is heaven. He even says that this town is heaven and your bitch of a mother left heaven. What the hell kind of person does that? Who leaves paradise? You know, so obviously Richard Brake is completely indoctrinated in what, you know, what's going on in this town and he's trying to prevent people from leaving people who live there, not tourists, obviously the tourists, they want out of there. Um, but this woman technically is not a tourist. She's actually a relative of a, um, a town person. So, you know, it kind of changes things a little bit. Uh, Richard Brake is eventually able to convince her to turn around, go back into the town, you know, with a gun on her back, obviously, she ends up going back in the town. And then I don't remember the actual, like, culmination, like the finale scene. What I do know is that she eventually goes back to the cemetery um, and sees her mother. Um, this is when she has this is when she has the flashback where she sees her mother standing in front of the man in the ocean. And this is where the mother is kind of explaining to her how, you know, I, I was always fated to be here, to stay here. I, you know, they were never going to let me go, blah, blah, blah. We don't get an actual like legit explanation, like what's keeping her there, if it's the man in the ocean or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Um, you know, we get that one last bit of mom conversation, if you will, mother and daughter having one final conversation before mom is dragged into the ocean uh, by the giant silhouette in the background. And like I said, I don't remember. Uh, oh, and then after that scene, she ends up having another flashback. But this one's a real flashback of, of an actual conversation that she had with her mother. And this is basically where the mom explains, you know, I don't want to go back to the town, blah, blah, blah. Um, what ends up, and then I'm not, like I said, I don't remember what the transition was from this final flashback scene, but basically as soon as the flashback scene is done, we go back to the town, go back to the island. It's summertime. Uh, the sun is out. There's tourists around, blah, blah, blah. Or should I say it's the end of the summer? 
And what we see are a couple of tourists. They are the final tourists left on the island um, before the island closes up for the season. And they walk into a florist uh, looking for some local flowers. And who is behind the counter but Marie? Yes, Marie is now behind the counter. Uh, she tells the people behind the counter that, oh, yeah, I run the flower shop for my grandmother. And then we see the camera pan to the back of the store and we see Miss Emily, uh, the old woman that she had met when she first got into the town. Whether that's actually her grandmother and mom never told her or if that's just a story that she told the tourist, who knows. But the point is, she is now solidly a member of this island and is basically trying to get these tourists off the island. It's weird because, you know, usually in a horror film like this, you would think that they would want the tourists there, that they'd want to trap them there so they could kill them, you know, do whatever it is they're going to do with them. But no. Here, the spirits are very adamant they want all these tourists out of here before uh, the bridge rate, uh, you know, is raised at the end of the season. And um, which basically explains everyone in this town is basically not real. Um, I, you could say they're ghosts, specters, whatever the hell you want. But, yeah, um, you know, we see them throughout the movie, different jump scares where townsfolks are standing behind her, in front of her, you know, whatever, and their eyes are whited out. They're just white, um, which, you know, makes for a mildly creepy, you know, if not, like I said earlier, a lot of been there, done that. But it's still it's mildly effective. It works OK. And that's the end of the movie, folks. Uh, basically, we see the tourists leaving the island and then we see Marie lock up the flower shop and fade to black that's our movie right before the movie fades to black she does look into the camera and give like a sly smile i don't know if that's uh, a smile of i've been in on this the whole time or she just has gone native you know <laughs> for lack of a better term but yeah that's it folks off season 2022 like i said the, br the bridge was crossed the bridge was crossed yeah very like i said very psychological one of those movies that, you know, has multiple interpretations for its ending, which I usually like movies like this. But like I said, with this one, I don't know that I'll really return to it that often. The mystery isn't worth me returning to, you know, the movie or this island or these characters. So um, good effort, Mickey Keating. But yeah, maybe just not as um, enjoyable as the last couple of films he did, but still decent. Yeah, it's OK. I mean... I don't. I I would still tell people to check it out. I mean, it's out there, um, and it, I mean, it still really does some interesting stuff. But yeah, since it's not streaming for free anywhere, I I would only recommend psychological horror fans check it out. Once it's dropped, once it drops on Shutter, this is a Shutter production, so I would imagine it will eventually show up on Shutter. Um, so if you have a Shutter subscription, you shouldn't have to wait too long to. Uh, check out off season but um if you're looking to watch it right now i would say save the six bucks it's probably not worth a 5.99 rental right now no at least for most i would agree with that there's just too much stuff available to stream right now one yeah. we didn't one we didn't do but it came out around the same time fresh is out there on hulu yeah so. that's getting really good reviews I've, I've yet to check it out but i'm hearing good things yeah, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I'll check it out eventually. I'll check it out before Sunday. It'll give us something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably bring it up at that time yep. for sure. 
It's on my list. Uh, you got anything else on this one, Don? Um, I'm good. Um, I mean, you guys pretty much covered most of it. Um, I mean, my big thing was that uh, the Lovecraftian influence to me at the ending with the full reveal of that uh, creature from the deep that uh, everybody who knows and loves Lovecraft will recognize within an inch of their lives. Uh, to me, that was the only real bright spot in the film. So, Yeah, definitely a Lovecraftian angle is, is going to be some of the high points for this film. Obviously, for me, it's also Richard Brake and uh, the score and some of the cinematography. But yeah, definitely not a movie for everyone. Definitely not something I can recommend to all horror fans. But, you know. If you're if you're inclined to enjoy movies like this, then it would get a recommend from me. Go ahead and check it out. Otherwise, I'd say go watch The Seed or Fresh or something else that came out over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I actually thought I, I kind of had fun with The Seed, too. I haven't watched The Seed yet, either, but I, I think I'm actually going to watch that tonight. Yeah, that's another one where it's like I, I, I wouldn't say it's like great or even very very good but it has its moments and i got a kick out of it nice and it is on shutter so no one has to pay extra money for and fresh is on hulu for anyone interested in that one that one's also available for free if you already got a hulu subscription have have either of you guys watched that one on shutter called i think it's called like they live with the grays or something oh yeah yeah (laughs) is that any good because that is a 2022, it, at least according to Shutter. It, it's just formulaic. It's another one of those people with grief crap that I'm kind of getting sick and tired of. Mm, okay. It, it, it's it's good for what it is. It's just it dwells in a topic that I'm just growing really tired and weary of. Like another person who's got family history and trauma tries to save somebody from you know an abusive situation that's really similar to what they're going through. By the yeah. by, the sound of it, by the sound of it, it's fine. But it's just you know I've already been through this with antlers and a bit of dark and the wicked and a bunch of and others. I, I think from what I remember, it is isn't it about like a two hour movie? Yeah, um, I kind of was like really kind of I was really hoping the fast forward button on that one. So <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's fine for what it is, but I'm just I'm getting sick of that kind of style. So. All right. All right. Um, well, you would probably like it more than me because you like Antlers more than me and Venom did. So I think you might like yeah. it. But like I said, just be weary that, you know, yeah, it, it feels its length. It's, it's a two hour film and it feels its length. I'll say that. Yeah, I I remember when it dropped on Shutter. I think it's been at least like a good month now. I remember reading the synopsis and being like, oh, this sounds interesting, but just never got to it. And enough stuff is built up where it's just like. There's yeah, always something it, else that I get to before it. Yeah, it, like I said, I think you'll like it more than me just because you like Antlers more than me. And it feels very, very similar, only, you know, supernatural rather than creature feature. But, yeah, um, it's just it's another in a long line of people with trauma films that I'm just not interested in anymore. So, I mean, you know, you'll you'll probably like it more than me, but I I, I can't say anything more than that, so. All right, cool. Well, that was our bonus feature, our bonus segment of <laughs> recommendations of various movies some of us have seen. And <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as our next episode, it will be Exus time. I promise. Unless you know, in a couple of days, they're like, "Oh, we're pushing it back," but I don't think so. There's been too much promotion of it. 
Yeah, there's even been an announcement of a prequel, so I think they're going to... Yeah, I thought I saw that. <laughs> like, I saw a headline like that said, like, a prequel has already been filmed, but I'm like, well, what's your intention with the prequel to, like, release it at a later date, or is it meant to watch before online, or what? I, I don't know. I, I haven't read the article. Yeah, I, I haven't read anything either, but yeah, I, I know that he said he filmed it, so... Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, from the setup of the story, which I won't get into, it, it definitely... I could see how there could be a prequel. I'll say that much. But anyways, um, yeah, so that's going to wrap up our discussion on this movie, the off off season. And let's go around the cast to find out where people can find us or what the latest is. So Venom, I know you released something new lately. So what do you got? Uh, Sorry, folks. It took me way too long to edit this episode, but Unfortunately, I had forgotten that my wife got the week off last week, and um, because of our work schedules, she works nights and weekends. I work a traditional Monday through Friday first shift. We almost never get to see each other. So the fact that she took a vacation last week, I I was taking advantage of that. So I do apologize for the uh, lateness in the episode, but... Episode six of uh, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts is officially released. It is available on the Dark Discussions podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. We take a look at 1977's Empire of the Ants, starring Joan Collins and Robert Pine. And we also have a short discussion on some of our favorite giant monsters from cinema. Um, since we since this was our second giant ant movie. Thought it might be a good conversation piece uh, for the beginning of the show. So check that out. That is available as we speak. And then, of course, you know, for me, uh, the latest episode of the main show, No More Room in Hell, is also available. That was also dropped last week where we looked at uh, my picks, a couple of vampire, uh, underappreciated vampire uh, movies, 2009's Thirst and 2015's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. So check that episode out. And of course, every week right here on Fresh Cuts. And unfortunately, that's all I got. No more guest spots to speak of. And the other two shows that I'm still officially a member of are still on extended hiatus. So that's it for me, Mike. All right, Dawn, are you still churning out some list episodes? Yeah, um, I'm actually, uh, I think I've actually got uh, through July planned out so yeah um it's gonna be a while before i uh i drop before i uh stall out with new episodes but um the most recent one is a uh look at a haunted house uh haunted houses um that this is of course horror countdown which uh forgot to mention that um yeah uh we do uh haunted houses and then uh, my guest host who is um, an author on haunted house um haunted house novels uh, decided to do uh, ten real life haunted houses. So we do um, mo- so I we, I do movie, she does movie and real life. So nice. Um, yeah, an interesting uh, little diversion there. But um, we have that. Um, we have the latest guest spot um, on the horror returns, where I did a round. Where I was part of a roundtable looking at the greatest exploitation film of all time, which was a lot of fun. And um, I. I think there's one or two others. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I forgot. Uh, you know, Creature Comforts number six, of course. Uh, that should be available. 
Um, everything else is uh, either too far away to mention, or I've already it's already been done and gone. So, yeah, those are uh, the main ones for me. Sounds good. Uh, as far as I go, yeah, nothing but the main shows. But uh, if all goes as scheduled, the next episode of No More Women Hell will be recorded before the next episode of Fresh Cuts. So keep an eye or an ear, I guess, out for that. Wish you think. Yeah, I mean, 2022's kind of got off to some bad luck with scheduling for that one, but uh, let's cross our fingers that it was a winter thing and now it's spring it's a, <laughs> it's like the uh consistent season <laughs> for recording maybe i don't know we'll see but um yeah other than that i am uh podcast free um what else i think that's it so yeah we will be back in a week to talk about ty west x so I know people seem to be looking forward to that one. I mean, it's nice to see Ty West back. You know, he kind of had a run going there for a minute. And then I don't know if I'd say he disappeared, but just hasn't been making like the big horror movies. So um, interesting to see what he has planned for everybody. So that said, that's going to do it. So we're going to get out of here. But uh, before that, let's say bye to listeners. Later. Have a good night, everybody. And remember, when mom says don't bury me in a particular town, don't bury her in that fucking town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If they recommend you don't cross the bridge, don't cross the damn bridge. (laughs) Peace. Adios, folks.